Thank you for listening to the Notable Speeches podcast. We appreciate it. One of the challenges facing many European countries is population decline. That decline is driven by several factors, among them rising divorce rates, a cultural de-emphasis on marriage and family, and the fact that many pregnancies are ended by abortion. In September, leaders from several European nations gathered to discuss how to foster marriage and family within their countries at a demographic summit held in Budapest, Hungary. This is the fourth such summit since 2015. It's a project of Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban. Orban's government has made a concerted effort to implement policies in Hungary that promote and strengthen family life, and he has encouraged other leaders in the region to do the same. Former U.S. Vice President Mike Pence was among some 70 speakers at this year's summit, including the President of Serbia and the Prime Ministers of Poland, the Czech Republic, and Slovenia. You'll hear Mr. Pence's address in just a moment. In addition to serving as Vice President in the administration of President Donald Trump, Mr. Pence has been the Governor of Indiana, and also for more than a decade he was a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. He has described himself as a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. At the Demographic Summit, Mr. Pence addressed an audience of about 500, including political and religious leaders, as well as representatives from various non-governmental organizations throughout Europe. Here is Mike Pence speaking on September 23rd in Budapest, Hungary. Well, thank you very much for that very warm welcome. It is uh, wonderful to be in Hungary. It is an honor to address such a distinguished gathering of leaders at the fourth Budapest Demographic Summit. And it is a joy, as was just mentioned, to be traveling here, our first trip to Hungary with the former Second Lady of the United States of America, Karen Pence. As a former Vice President of the United States, As a husband, as a father, as a brand new grandfather, (laughs) I rise first and foremost, Mr. Prime Minister, Presidents and Prime Ministers, Your Excellencies, to say thank you. Thank you for hosting this fourth demographic summit to promote the timeless institutions of family and marriage which are truly the foundation of a better world. Prime Minister Orban and your entire administration, I I commend you. I commend you for this gathering and the vision that you brought. As we gather today, the Western world is beset by one crisis after another, a public health crisis caused by the coronavirus pandemic that has impacted every nation in the world and cut short millions of lives. An ongoing crisis in economics as millions of workers remain on the sidelines with our economy staggered by the ongoing impact of that pandemic as we find our way forward back to normalcy. And increasingly, we see a crisis of confidence as citizens lose trust in our traditional values, our traditional institutions, and in leadership. And finally, we see a crisis that brings us here today, a crisis that strikes at the very heart of civilization itself, the erosion of the nuclear family, marked by declining marriage rates, rising divorce, widespread abortion, and 
plummeting birth rates. The leaders of government who are gathered here, the leaders of faith know. Strong families make strong communities, and strong communities make strong nations. For our civilization to prosper, if we're to pass on the rights and the freedoms and the values that we cherish to the next generation, our highest priority must be to preserve, renew, and strengthen the families upon which our nation and our civilizations have been built. So I want to begin today by simply commending each and every one of you for having the vision to gather again to find ways to put family first. The good news is, here in Hungary and elsewhere in the region, we find proof that with leadership and right policies, demographic decline can be reversed. Now, I believe it's no coincidence this restoration is, of the family is taking place in Hungary and in Poland and in countries throughout the region. I think it's happening here for a reason. The consensus opinion we know of the global elite for too long has been that the institution of the family is in many ways an anachronism, outdated and even unnecessary. We are so much as told that the family is secondary to the state and that the demands of raising and educating children must be met with the ever-growing reach of government supplanting the role and the primacy of parents and families from cradle to grave. But the nations of Central and Eastern Europe, so well represented here, have heard these empty utopian promises before. Many here still remember what it was like to live behind the Iron Curtain, to live under the oppressive fist of progressive tyranny with its unworkable social experiments, and with thought police driving their agenda against the common sense and common values of the people. Hungary and all the nations of the former Soviet bloc taught the world, if you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, defend sovereignty. And like the freedom fighters who took to the streets of Budapest in 1956 to throw off the heavy hand of communist oppression, from where I stand, I see the people of Central and Eastern Europe rejecting the modern left's vision of a post-Christian, post-national, post-family world. It's the vision we embraced in our administration, the vision that nations gathered here embracing. It's for a world of strong, sovereign, independent nations built on thriving, happy, and healthy families. The restoration of the family that's taking place in this part of the world is not happening by accident. It's happening by choice. You know, there's a saying in economics that what you subsidize, you get more of. What you tax, you get less of. And I want to applaud Prime Minister Orban 
for choosing to make family the central focus of Hungary's government policy. 200,000 newlyweds, I'm told, have benefited from lower taxes already. Families with children have seen their tax bill decrease by $10 billion in U.S. dollars. Working mothers with four children or more are completely exempt from income taxes here in Hungary. And over the last decade, 200,000 families with children have received taxpayer support to buy their first home. The result of these reforms have been truly astonishing. With birth rates dropping precipitously throughout Western Europe, Hungary is benefiting from the highest birth rate in two decades. More young people are getting married, starting families, and abortion is in steep decline. You know, while I've served as governor of the state of Indiana, our agenda also emphasized the policies of putting family at the center of our state's effort to improve the social and economic prospects of our children. And I'm proud to report that under the Trump-Pence administration, we sought similar goals and enacted like-minded policies that centered on the restoration of middle-class American families. We passed the largest tax cuts and tax reforms in American history. We cut taxes in half for the typical family of four. We doubled the child tax credit, allowing families to lower their tax burden by $2,000 for every child under the age of 17. And we lifted a million children out of poverty in just four years. We passed the first ever tax credit for employers to provide paid family leave, and we passed 12 weeks of family leave for government employees as a model to the country. As a result, before the pandemic struck, we created the most powerful economy the world had ever seen. In just four short years, America achieved the highest household incomes in our history, the lowest poverty rate. 7 million new jobs, the lowest unemployment rate in over half a century, and middle-class family income increased by nearly $6,000 per family. That's more than five times the gains made under the prior administration in eight years. Millions of American families were lifted out of poverty and filled with fresh hope for the first time in years. And in the interest of American families, we also secured our border and cut illegal immigration by 90%. Let me say from the heart, you can be for working class families or you can be for open borders. You cannot be for both. And today in our country, with the crisis on our southern border, Americans are learning once again about the absolute need for nations to protect their borders and their sovereignty. But as we gather here on this important topic, let me say finally, I have long believed that a society can be judged by how it deals with its most vulnerable, with its youth, its aged, its infirm and the unborn. As we speak now about reversing population decline, we must be honest about the incalculable impact of abortion across our nations. I'm told that here in Hungary not long ago the number of abortions actually exceeded the number of births. Over the last half century in my country, 
More than 60 million unborn children have been aborted. It's an unspeakable tragedy, an unspeakable loss for our nation, for humanity. For nearly 50 years in the United States and throughout the developed world, we've denied unborn children the most basic human right, the right to life. But I'm proud to report that from the first day of our administration, the Trump-Pence administration stood without apology for the sanctity of human life. We banned the use of American taxpayer dollars to fund abortion overseas. We cut funding to the UN Populations Fund. And we passed a measure to allow states to defund the nation's largest abortion provider. The truth is, legalized abortion has contributed enormously to the demographic change that we're seeing and the destabilization of our societies. It's no coincidence that in the last half century, we've seen a persistent rise in family instability, single parent households, a decline in family formation, increase in unplanned pregnancies, and an explosion of sexually transmitted diseases. And more terribly, we've seen abortion used around the world as a tool of eugenics, those taking a cold, calculating economic view of life that's been properly denounced from this podium today. Those methods have been used to eliminate excess unborn children, those with what are determined to be the wrong sex or those with disabilities. And China's forced abortion policies have been an abomination victimizing women, unborn children, and families for decades, and not surprisingly, creating their own demographic crisis, one of their own making. So today, as we reaffirm our commitment to our highest ideals and to family, let us as nations also be prepared to stand for life. And when it comes to China, I urge the leaders here to be prepared to stand with us, nations around the world. Hold China accountable for obscuring the truth about COVID-19, for decades of trade abuses, and hold China accountable for decades of human rights abuses in the name of population control. That said, for all of our challenges, there is renewed hope for life on the horizon. In my country, more and more young Americans are embracing the right to life every day. And here in Hungary, I'm told that the number of abortions annually, annually has been reduced by 30% in recent years. As we speak, the Supreme Court of the United States is preparing to take up the issue in the months ahead. And we may well have a fresh start on the cause of life in America. An independent judiciary is a bulwark of a free society. And our administration was proud to appoint nearly 300 conservatives to our federal courts, including three new justices of the Supreme Court. And it is our hope and our prayer that in the coming days, a new conservative majority on the Supreme Court of the United States will take action 
to restore the sanctity of life to the center of American law. All human life is sacred. And we must never stop working to create a world where every child, born and unborn, is protected by law and cherished in life as a precious gift from God. Who said so long ago, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So I urge every nation gathered here and the leaders, as we strive to restore families, let's be leaders for life. And as I close, I know that is a high calling shared by so many here, especially our church leaders and religious leaders that are gathered, as well as Pope Francis. In February 2020, I had the great honor of an audience at the Vatican with Pope Francis. And it warmed the heart of my Catholic mother like I couldn't describe. It was actually on the very occasion that hundreds of thousands of Americans were gathered in our nation's capital for what's known as the March for Life. And the Holy Father made a point to convey his solidarity then, as he did quite recently, his support for the cause of life in our country and around the world. I was also pleased to learn, but not surprised, that the Holy Father reaffirmed the Church's unwavering support for the efforts taking place here in Hungary and elsewhere to build stronger and more vibrant families. When I met with Pope Francis, he gave me a copy of an exhortation he wrote entitled, Amoris Laetitia. It's about pastoral care of families. In it, he noted that marriage and family are part of, in his words, the ultimate and definitive dimension of our human existence. And in a single sentence, Pope Francis summed up what must be, I believe, our highest priority. When he wrote, the welfare of the family is decisive for the future of the world. This then is what brings us together today for this fourth Budapest Demographic Summit. The welfare of the family is indeed decisive for the future of the world. And we must lead our nations and lead the world back to putting family first. And as we do this, we should do so with confidence despite all of the currents in the media and whatever the topic is of the day. Because remember, when we, when we put family first, we do not work alone. It is not merely a human endeavor, as has been said. Because family wasn't our idea. The Bible tells us he puts the lonely in families. And I note that the first miracle ever performed by Jesus of Nazareth was at a wedding. 
So we should know this. When we work with our people in our nations to strengthen families and defend the defenseless, we make his work on this earth our own. And let that be our prayer. That by his grace and by your presence here today and the leadership gathered here and looking on, that we will have the courage of our convictions, that we will stand for our most cherished traditions of family and life and liberty, and that as we put family first, we will lead the world to forge a brighter future than ever before. Thank you. God bless our families. God bless the nations gathered here. And God bless America. Former U.S. Vice President Mike Pence at the fourth demographic summit held last month in Budapest, Hungary. Your comments about the Notable Speeches podcast are always welcome. Email feedback at notablespeeches.com. Follow us on Parler or Twitter for a heads up about new episodes at Notable Speeches. I'm Joseph Slife. Thanks again for listening.